0: All right, take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to pause on our study in Genesis for today and next Sunday because of Easter. And uh, we want to look a little bit about what Jesus had to say from the cross. We're in Luke chapter 23. And verse 20, you know many times throughout history the last words of a person's life uh, have been recorded uh, that they give insight to the purpose, the theme of that person's life. Some of the ones that uh, are well known is if uh, you'll remember the French atheist philosopher Voltaire, he declared the death of Christianity in his lifetime, within a generation, but on his deathbed right before he died, he said, I've been a fool. The hell that I never believed in awaits me. Robert Ingersoll, another renowned atheist, he says, I've lived a wasted life. I'm about to leap into the dark unknown. William Carey, a great missionary. He says, when I'm gone, speak less of Carrie and more of Carrie's Savior. Susanna Wesley, the, father, the mother of uh, John and Charles Wesley, as she was about to die, she said, children, children, I'm about ready to go be with our Lord. Would you please sing a song of praise to God? And as we look at the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior this morning, uh, I ask the question what did he have to say to us from the cross and what was the meaning of what he wanted to say to us. I don't have time to go through all of them but I want to do the first three statements that he made there on the cross and the first one is a word of intercession. It, uh, He says in verse 33, well 34, he says, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That was a word of intercession of Jesus. He was Praying for those that just crucified him. I want you to notice three things about that word. The first one, obviously, is that it was a prayer. He was praying to his heavenly Father, and it was a uh, prayer of prophecy all the way back in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12. It says, Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What Isaiah was talking about, he was prophesying about the Lord Jesus when he would come and he was telling us that he would be numbered with the transgressors and that he would pray for those that were uh, bringing about that transgression. Jesus was praying for those who crucified him. And if you think about it, those other two men probably would have never been prayed for. Those that were there crucified alongside our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there's a good chance that they would have never been prayed for if it hadn't been, if Jesus hadn't prayed for them. And if you look at 23, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Luke 23 and verse 34, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Now that know not what they do is the same term is used there if you go over to the book of Acts, we're not going to turn to it this morning, but there after Pentecost, and they were all the people were gathered together there at the temple. And you'll remember that Peter uh, stood up and preached. And one of the things that he preached about was that these Jewish people who had crucified the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, it struck me as I was thinking about that he said that you did. I know that through ignorance you crucified the Son of God. And as I was studying this this week, it realized. I realized that uh, he built his prayer. He built built his sermon. Peter built his sermon. If I can get this out straight this morning, Peter built his sermon there at Pentecost on the prayer of Jesus. While he hung on the cross, when he prayed for those that had crucified him, he says, Peter says, I know that through ignorance you crucified the Son of God. When I realized that that's what happened, I just broke down and just praised God because Peter preached that same prayer that Jesus prayed on the cross of Calvary And 3,000 people were saved that day. Uh, And it wasn't so much because Peter was a great preacher, but that Jesus was a great prayer. Jesus prayed for those that crucified. And it came to fruition there at Pentecost when Peter preached that sermon and 3,000 people were saved. And I say that to say this this morning, guess what? The Bible teaches that Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for the saints. In other words, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father praying for you today. And he's praying for me. He's praying for you. And so many times when we consider the difficult times that we have to go through and sometimes we seem all alone, And we forget to realize that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is at the right hand of the Father, praying for you. One of the things that I always want to remember when I'm going through difficult times, I'm not going through those times alone, amen, (laughs) that Jesus is at the right hand. of And listen, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. And there's really none righteous, no, not one, except one, Jesus Christ. He was the uh, sinless Son of God, and he's making incessory prayer for you and for me, even today. It was a word of prayer, it was a word of prophecy, and it was a word of pardon. I want to make sure that you understand that this was a word of pardon he the one of the the thieves on the cross called out to him and he said to him that today you will meet me in paradise. You know, folks, listen. The Bible says that, Je- that God is going to punish him. The wages of sin is death. And those two men that were on the cross, they were sinners. They were rebels. They were robbers, thieves, and maybe even murderers, and Jesus, and God never winks at sin. I don't know of any place in the Bible, at least I, I never, I can't remember any place in the Bible that God ever forgave anyone that didn't, he didn't first, uh, yeah, that person didn't first repent of their sin, but inherent in the love of God, the Bible teaches that we're to love our enemies. In the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us to love our enemies. He doesn't tell us to forgive our enemies. He tells us to love our enemies because inherent in loving people is forgiving people, amen? I mean, there are times, there are times I'm so grateful that Deanne loves me because I do some silly and stupid things sometimes, and it doesn't matter what I do, she still loves me, and because of that, she forgives me. Amen? Caitlin's glad that I love her, because sometimes she does silly and stupid things, too, but uh, it doesn't matter what she does, I always forgive her, because I love her, and you know what? God loves you, The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus didn't come into the world. Matter of fact, I I don't, yeah, I did. Did I give you John 3.16? John 3.16 through 18? If I did, he'll put it up. Yeah, he's got it up there. Let's just go to that. I hadn't planned on doing this. But I I wanted to bring it out. We all know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But I wanted us to look at verses 17 and 18 because a lot of times that gets uh, overlooked. And it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. In verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, why is that important? This outreach team has been going throughout the community, knocking on doors and handing out those cards and, inviting people to come uh, to church on Easter Sunday. You may have loved ones. You may have family members that you are inviting to come to church on Easter Sunday. You might have neighbors or friends or co-workers that you want to invite to come to church on Easter Sunday. And over and over again, I don't know about you, but over and over again, I have been uh, uh, told, uh, by some not many as a matter of fact on these last two saturdays that we've gone out i've not had a negative encounter at all every encounter that i've had has been a positive encounter and people thanking us for uh, uh, coming and sharing with them but in the past i have been confronted with people uh, i i don't want to go down to that place all those th- those people think that they're better than everybody. All they want to do is condemn me. Have you ever heard anything like that? I mean, do you know people that think of the church and they think, oh, they just want, they, they, they think I'm a bad person and they want to change me and they want to make me into somebody different. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. This is important. The church should never condemn anyone. Jesus didn't condemn anyone. And people... People get that feeling sometimes because their own guilt begins to rise up and they start dealing with their own guilt. And they, and they think that that, that, that uh, guilt is coming from the church or coming from God. That's not true. It's coming from within themselves. You understand what I'm saying? Listen to me. Jesus doesn't condemn anyone. He, ha- he didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. We're not going out into the community to tell people, to point at people and say, oh, you're living such a terrible life, you need to come to church. We're not trying to do that at all. What we're trying to do is say that God loves you, that you're somebody special, that you're somebody that's important, that God didn't come to condemn you. He came to save you. And our purpose is not for Condemning someone, it's for saving someone, and uh, I remember when my when I was a little kid, and uh, that was before seatbelts. And I know some of you have never been in a car that didn't have seatbelts, but I grew up in a time where none of the cars had seatbelts, and I can remember my dad and my mom, when me sit little sitting on the side. With and they come to a stop sign or a red light, and they hit the brakes automatically. They stuck out that arm. Automatically, they stuck out that arm. It wasn't because they were trying to restrain me; it was because they were trying to protect me. Amen. They were trying to keep me from getting hurt. When when I had children and my kids were little, you know what? I did this. We had seatbelts then. But I did the same thing even with them in the seatbelt. I stuck out. My, it was a natural reflex. I stuck out my arm to make sure that they didn't hit the dashboard or something like that because sometimes when I hit the brakes, <laughs> they needed to have some help. you understand what I'm saying? And, uh, uh, but you do that. Listen, Jesus didn't come to restrain us. He didn't come to rob us of fun or joy. He came to protect us and to save us. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. For whosoever shall, uh, the, the Bible says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. That's everybody. What he came to do is to offer a way of forgiveness and salvation and a better life. That's what Jesus came to offer. And that's what he was telling that guy on the cross. Second thing, not only was it a word of intercession, it was also a word of inspiration. If you look in, we're back in uh, Luke chapter 23. If you look at verse 39, it says, Then one of the criminals who were uh, hanged, in other words, crucified beside him, uh, blasphemed him and said, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other, other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing that you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, in other words, we deserve what we're getting, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. We need to always remember that on that dark day so long ago that there were three crosses on that hill. So many times we uh, make Jesus the focal point, but there were three crosses on Golgotha, and it's a microcosm of really what the gospel is all about the one on the left rejected christ the one on the right received christ the left man died in his sin the right man died to his sin and the middle man died for their sins and that is a beautiful story of the gospel of jesus christ those three crosses tell about the redeeming power Of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not only was it a word of intercession, but it was a word of inspiration. Jesus said to them, Today, to Him, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a great illustration of God's grace. Why did Why did one receive forgiveness and the other reject forgiveness? It's because one was willing to acknowledge his sin and the other defended his own self. I've been witnessing, folks, listen to me. I've been witnessing to people for over 50 years. I've led hundreds of people to Christ, but I've also had hundreds of people rejecting the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was an old saying, an old preacher once said that before you can get anybody saved, you need to get them lost. And a lot of people didn't understand what he meant by that, but it's really a true statement. The problem with so many people in our world today is that they think they're okay. They think they're doing just fine. They, don't, they think that they have no need for salvation. I guarantee you there are people that live in your community that have no understanding at all that they need any kind of sin uh, salvation because you see the sin that used to slink down back alleys now struts down uh, Main Street and you say, What is the reason for that? Why has that happened? And it's because of Madison Avenue. It's because of Hollywood. It's because of Washington, D.C. It's because of Wall Street. Everybody is saying today that sin is okay. I'm okay. You're okay. Don't you dare judge me. They think everything is hunky-dory. that's not the truth both of those men those two on either side of them were rebels and thieves and one acknowledged it and asked for forgiveness and Jesus promised that today you'll be with me in paradise I want to give you another uh, let me give you a comparison here because this is pretty cool at least it is to me this is good news Man that was on the cross, he said, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus told him he received forgiveness. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, let me let me tell you about another man. His name was Saul. He was from Tarsus, Saul of Tarsus. And on the road to Damascus one day, he came, he was confronted with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, and he uh, confessed his sin, and he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. That Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul, probably, in my opinion, the greatest Christian that ever lived. I really believe that the Apostle Paul was the, he wrote more of the New Testament than any other uh, writer, he, he was a tremendous theologian. He was a man of God. He had more impact on the Western civilization than anybody in the world other than Jesus Christ himself. The greatest Christian, I believe, that ever lived. Now let me tell you something. When Paul got to heaven, Jesus received him with open arms. He walked down streets of gold. He was a welcomed guest at the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. He was, he, was, he was the Apostle Paul. Let me tell you something. That thief, maybe murderer, that hung on the cross, and right before he died, he said, Lord, Remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Today you will be with me in paradise. He walked down the same golden streets as Paul. He sat down at the same marriage feast of the Lamb. He, he received the same welcome in heaven as the Apostle Paul did. Oh dear friends, isn't that a wonderful? What an inspiration. What an inspiration. I don't have to be the Apostle Paul to be accepted in heaven. You don't have to be the Apostle Paul. Some people think, oh, I could never be good enough. I could. You don't have to be the greatest Christian that ever lived. You come to him like the thief on the cross with an open heart confessing your sin and say, Lord, remember me. And you'll have this same, same, same heaven to enjoy for all eternity that those great Christians of the faith, the founders, the leaders, those great preachers and wonderful lay people that served God, all their lives you'll have the same heaven to spend eternity in that they will uh, that is, hey, you know what you know what most of you know my 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 testimony. I got saved in jail. I got out of jail on uh, Friday. Uh, October 1st, 1971, that's when I got out of jail. I accepted Christ a couple of weeks before that in the jail cell. But I was found not guilty, and I got out of jail on a Friday night, March, uh, uh, October 1st, 1971. On October 3rd, 1971, I joined North Central Baptist Church. Gainesville, Florida, uh, I, that's the church that Malcolm was a part of, and he led me to the Lord, so when I got out of jail, I went to North Central, and I went forward in that morning service, and I uh, told them that I had received Christ in jail, and, and uh, wanted to be baptized and become a member of that church, and uh, pastor, my pastor at that time was Dr. N.B. Langford, and a uh, wonderful man of God, and I was standing there in front of the people. you know how you present. He had his arm around me and uh, shared what Malcolm had done and uh, the ministry that they had there in the jail and he he kind of he kind of hugged me a little bit and he said he said, uh, Russell, what can I do?" For said, would you help me pray for my daddy? Because you see, I wanted my dad to come to know Jesus. My mother was there that morning that I went for, and she went forward to accepting Jesus as her Lord and Savior. My dad didn't go, and uh, I asked him, I said, I want you to pray for my dad because, see, folks, we didn't grow up in a in a Christian home. We didn't have all of, I didn't have any kind of Christian upbringing. <clears throat> my dad was a great man but he was uh, he he was the antithesis of a godly man and uh i said i want you to pray with me for my daddy and i started talking to my father about jesus and i i shared with him how god had come into my life and forgiven me of my sin and i uh Kept praying for my dad, and Dr. Langford kept praying for my dad, and Malcolm kept praying for my dad, and Lloyd Jones kept praying for my dad, and Jerry Brandon kept praying for my dad. And then in January of 72, my dad prayed and asked Jesus to come into his life. He was 50 years old. The 16th of that month, he became 51. And on the 22nd day of May of that year, my father had his seventh heart attack, and he died and went went to heaven. And you know what? When I die... He's going to be there to greet me. You know, he's going to be there too. He only—he was only a, he lived a pretty rough life. From his early teens to his fifty years, he turned fifty-one, and four months later, he died. But you know what? For all these years. He's been, I bet he's talked with Paul. I bet he has. And I know that when I get there, he's going to meet me at the gate and he's going to give me a big hug. And I know, I know that he's enjoying everything that the Apostle Paul is enjoying. Oh, what a God we serve, we worship. It was a word of intercession. It was a word. At least it was a word of inspiration to me too. And it was a word of interest. For this, you have to turn over to John. I think. I think that Thomas has this. If I can find it, I thought I had it marked, but I didn't. John, nineteen, verses twenty-six through twenty-seven. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and his disciples, whom he loved standing, that's that disciple whom he loved is, is John, by uh, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. He took care of her. He took care of Jesus' mother. You see, this is what I want you to see there. Jesus was in excruciating, he was hanging on the cross. He was in excruciating pain, physical pain, spiritual pain, emotional pain. He was the pain of crucifixion, the physical pain of crucifixion, the emotional pain of having all the sins of all the world upon him, the spiritual pain of knowing that his own father would have to turn his back and would not spare him the judgment that was to come. During this time of dreadful agony, he cared for his mother. He cared about the Apostle John. Folks, listen. When you belong to Christ, he cares about you. His interest is in you. And boy, nothing should be able to defeat you because of that. Sometimes I'm amazed at people who are always ready to quit. They're just looking for a reason. You have to walk on eggshells around them because they're always wanting, they're always upset, they're always looking for an excuse to get upset with people. Jesus, when he was in the midst... Of all of that pain, all of that agony, he was hanging there dying. His body flayed, his beard plucked out, his teeth loosened where they beat him with rods. That crown of thorns upon his head dug into his scalp and his temple's And the blood was streaming down his face. He was going through all of that agony. And in the midst of that, his thoughts were on those that he loved. His thoughts are on you, friends. He knows when you go through difficult times. And he's there to make intercession for you. Oh, what a great and gracious God that we serve. As he died, he was caring for those that loved. Amen. We're going to be talking about the resurrection. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for all that you do for us. We ask God your blessings on us. We pray that you would have your way in our hearts. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.